Hello and welcome back to Omens and Epiphanies. I'm Grace and I'm going on a long journey. I was hoping that I could do this series in, you know, a year, uh, but it's certainly taking me longer. So I'm glad you're here. Let's go into it. In today's episode, our omen, our tarot card, is the tower, and our epiphany is shadow work. So we're going to discuss shadow work through the lens of the tarot. The tower card is the 16th card of the major arcana. 16 reduces to 7, which is about intuition, choices, and understanding. The tower in most decks is some sort of tower that's been struck by some sort of bolt of lightning, and you can usually see the destruction happening. Commonly, I have to tell people about the devil and death and the hanged man, but the tower is one that's come to be known through various probably social media and media in general. So television shows that towers the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it truly does mean a release and sudden change. But I'm going to come at this from the point of view that it's not necessarily the worst thing to happen to you. It's got to happen at some point. Um, in one of my favorite decks, the Idiosyncratic, I hope I said that it's like idiosyncrasy, but it's the Idiosyncratic. Um, Jay Bot has chosen to use a volcano to represent the tower. Um, a volcano is set to erupt. There's a certain point of time where the where a volcano is dormant and then it and then it erupts. In addition, an erupted volcano is is vital for the ecosystem. There are pine cones that only crack open when they're subjected to a very, very hot heat. Otherwise, they would just be pine cones, not a whole <laughs> a whole tree. A whole ass tree. According to Tarot 101. Uh, the tower in the tower card is a structure in our lives that we have placed a lot of value on. This could be the self, ego, your lifestyle, your religion, your marriage, your ambition. It's this, it's something that's happening. Now here's the deal. The tower is almost always on a shaky foundation. So for instance, our ego when placed on a foundation that does not support our ego is is bound to crumble at some point. However, the lightning bolt is the quote-unquote bolt from the blue that is used to describe both a curse from the gods and a blessing of sudden enlightenment. And in this case, that line is very blurred. <laughs> the curse and the sudden enlightenment are the same. You'll almost always see people falling out of the tower. The flavor of this might change depending on the deck. For instance, if it's the cat's tarot, it's probably cats and not people that are falling from the tower. But at its base level, it's the destruction and suffering on a human level. You'll sometimes see waves on a tower card. It's not very common in the ones that I read, but it does exist. Um, and... The idea there is that even the gentlest of forces will erode the weakest structures or foundations. You might also see an eye. 
If you see the eye of Horus, which is an Egyptian eye with the little curl underneath, um, it's well-being, healing, and protection. So even though this terrible thing is happening to you, you are protected and it is going to be a healing process in the long run. On the other hand, you might see the eye of Shiva, which is an upright eye. <laughs> upright sounds so weird, but instead of going left to right in the almond shape, it goes bottom to top in the almond shape, or it could just be a spiral. The eye of Shiva represents creation, destruction, spiritual knowledge, and transformation. Totally makes sense here. In the sun moon tarot, the Hebrew symbol that's associated with this card is pay, which is about mouth and communication. Not 100% sure how this works, but to be honest, you probably need to go to therapy after this. So that does kind of make sense to me. So just to recap, you have something that you've placed a lot of value on, but the foundation is weak and something will happen to, to just shatter the whole thing. Back in 2012, so probably about a decade ago now, I um, I remember when I was driving probably about an hour, hour and 15 minutes north, I um, was in, in the depths of my shamanic learning and I was counting hawks as I went. And there ended up being 16 hawks on the way to a just a day retreat, like a class. I don't, I don't remember specifically what it was for. Um, it might've been a journeying class. It might've been a soul retrieval thing. I don't really know. Um, but I remember counting 16 and I was like, what is the significance of this? And I looked up what Hawks meant and I looked up what 16 meant. And I came to the conclusion that that's actually a huge learning moment for me is that it depends on what it means to me because I'm the one reading this and I had been doing tarot for quite a while at that point so I was like well the 16th card in the majors is the tower and I was like well why isn't it you know why isn't it the 16th card in a different well there's not 16 in a different well what if I start with the ace of pentacles as one and I count 16 no it's too complicated the first thing that came to mind was that the tower is the 16th card so I knew something bad was happening <laughs> let's call it an omen we're just gonna call that an omen I don't know if you're curious but um I ended up being diagnosed with an STD not too long after that and so that was the thing for me and it really rocked the relationship i was in at the time um he uh he, his best friend at the time who was staying with us also had something going on in the std realm let's say so i was accused of cheating um <laughs> if you really want the tea uh we he ended up the best friend did not have the same thing I had. He actually cleared up. Um, and so I was more believed. And then shortly after that, I kept finding his phone like hidden under his his handgun. And he knew I wouldn't touch it, which was suspicious. <laughs> and he, um, he ended up like texting some girl at like 2 a.m. Like, oh, are we still going to meet up? And I was like, what the fuck? You, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, what the fuck? I don't care about swearing what the fuck you went through this whole thing with me and you're over here texting girls when you're off work at the night shift to meet up with them. He's like, oh yeah, she was having a bad day. 
where did you find this anyways? And I was like, that's so suspicious. Just, that's not even why we broke up, but like, it's one of those red flags that I really should have just ended it right then and there. I still don't know if he cheated on me. Okay, but you're not here for my tea from 10 years ago. So let's move on. <laughs> Maybe you are, but hi, welcome. Um, Tara 101 says, quote, the suffering of the tower is destructive and brings somebody to the lowest point they can be. The destruction of the tower is unpredictable, sudden, and gut-wrenching. It is here in the tarot that we find complete deconstruction and the forced removal of everything no longer necessary in one's life. The image of the tower represents the sense of self, ego, and the lifestyle we build for ourselves as we go through life. It is our ambitions, our morals, our relationships, and our stability, and it is completely destroyed by a bolt of lightning. I might even go one step further and say it's destroyed by a single bolt of lightning. The first one could take out the entire structure. The tarot handbook says, quote, the tower is a symbol of the change and awakening that is required to dismantle that which is artificial, false to fact, or conditioned within our natures. It requires that we dismantle and restructure old forms within our personality so that which is actual and true within our nature can be restored and expressed. And back to Tarot 101, they say, quote, this is an opportunity to start from scratch. What has been destroyed was unnecessary or poorly founded. So when you are taken back down to your lowest foundations, you can make them stronger and build up something better. So this is getting more into that idea that yeah, the tower is a terrible, terrible event. It's sudden and things that are sudden are scary and things that are scary are thought of as bad. But at its core, it's a necessary act to rebuild your life stronger and remove that which is holding you back. Now, here's the deal. I can't really help you rebuild your life for a tower event. It depends on what it is. It depends on what the thing is, the structure that's been removed. It depends on what the lightning bolt is. It depends on what your foundation is. That's on you and your guides. But if you take the time to identify, remove, and rebuild the foundation for those structures ahead of time, when you're mentally prepared enough, you won't have as many tower events in your life. I'm not saying they won't happen. I cannot promise you anything. But I've found that when I'm doing shadow work or soul retrieval work ahead of time, that's usually the stuff that the tower would have tried to take out. Nature abhors a vacuum. And it hates when you have things that are unsteady. It's going to take it out. So build your foundations. So what we're going to talk about today in the epiphanies part is shadow work and soul retrievals. And I'm also going to talk about trauma-informed care. So when you're ready, what is shadow work? I found a really good article. Um, I say article. It really is. It's called Intro to Shadow Work, but it was on Reddit. <laughs> so I found a really good Reddit uh, discussion around shadow work by Tinky Winky La La Two, sorry, Tinky Winky La Two Dipsy Poe. So it's the Teletubbies, but the two instead of La La. Um, 
They say, quote, shadow work is bringing to light the contents of the subconscious, most of the mass of which, like an iceberg, sits below the surface and out of sight. Whatever the modality, there are two essential aspects to shadow work, intention and self-acceptance. In understanding who we are, perhaps the most important thing to remember is that you are not your thoughts, feelings, or emotions. Shadow work shows thoughts, feelings, or emotions that may have been repressed for fear of mental or physical punishment to help you understand that the characters that evolved were to deal with trying circumstances. Now, when they say that, they're saying that the characters that are inside of you that dealt with those things were doing, were created to deal with those circumstances. They help you survive in hostile environments and they do not resolve until you acknowledge them and put them to rest. Something they can't do if you hate on them and try to push them away. If you listen, they may say, we did what we did to survive. Those were the times. And you can say, I'm sorry I hated you. Please forgive me for not acknowledging you. Thank you for protecting me and for being with me. I love you. They also say this is based on the Hawaiian ritual of reconciliation, and they think it's an appropriate, sorry, and they think it's appropriate because shadow work is helping you to integrate the fractured aspects of your personality. When I read that, um, that statement, it feels a little bit to me like multiple personality disorder, which has a more specific name. Hold on. Ooh. Um, which is called disassociative identity disorder. And I knew that. I should have just known that. Um, it's not as fractured, but if you've, if you've come across somebody with DID, you know that there's certain aspects of themselves that were created as a barrier, as a block um, to protect the inner child, to protect themselves. And so this isn't necessarily saying that every single person has DID. I'm not saying that in any way. I'm just saying that I visualize some shadow work as a separate little entity that was created by your circumstances to protect you. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, In a medium.com article posted by Meg B, which is called shadow work. What the heck is it? Well, actually, there's the five steps of shadow work um, in order to help you reintegrate those parts of yourselves, these fractured aspects. So step one, identify a behavior, way of being, reaction, or feeling to work on because it doesn't feel like it aligns with how you want to be or how you feel you truly are at your core. For instance... My partner clears his throat sometimes. Sorry, my fiance. I think it's been long enough that I haven't told you that. My fiance clears his throat sometimes. And for some reason, my my background recognizes that noise as the noise my mother made when she was mad at me. Just like, I don't know, I cannot describe for you what it is, but it always kind of triggers like a what did I do wrong kind of like motion in my heart. So I just, that's an example. Step two, get to know the part. Focus on that feeling. Ask how it wants to be seen and known. Let them tell you who they are and be open to what they're telling you without judgment. 
hold space and time for the part to open up and trust you. So when I'm talking about that clearing of the throat, it's a, it's, it's me as a young child who is having that reaction. It's not me as a 33 year old fiance. It's me as a young child going, "Uh Oh, what did I do wrong? Right. And I cannot judge that part of me for being a little apprehensive because I had to learn what parts of my little world meant that I was in trouble. So that way I could either fix it, address it, maybe run and hide. Um, I didn't have to like, I wasn't spanked or anything, but you know, maybe I had to like just clear out of the room for a little bit, whatever it was. Step three, discover the origin, find or create a grounded, supportive, safe space and ask the part to show you how they came to be. Was it a specific event, an experience, a way of thinking that evolved from your environment? Let's talk about finding and creating a grounded, supportive, safe space. Well, I'm going to go a little bit more into depth in this in a second, but this could be your happy place. Um, my happy place right now is on my porch. It's got a beautiful green glow from the trees. I can hear the bird song in the background. Um, I have made it a little home for myself. Maybe a safe space is under a tree out in nature. Maybe it's a coffee shop where you feel like you are surrounded by people who love you. Maybe don't love you, but you know, you you walk into a coffee shop and there's a certain feel to it. And you can sit there and you can just sort of look like you're listening to a podcast. Maybe listen to this one in the background as you're talking. You can do it on on silent mode because you've already heard this one. But anyways, close your eyes, enjoy your coffee and ask. This could also be therapy. If you find a therapist and you're like, hey, I've been wanting to try this thing, they'll recognize it. Um, Shadow work and therapy go hand in hand for the most part. They might not know the words, right? They might not know what you're saying when you say shadow work, but you can say, hey, this feeling came up for me. Um, I um, recognize that it's because of maybe this specific thing in my life, but I would want to. I want to dig more into it. Can you help me ask the questions so that way I can focus on that feeling? They they can do that for you. As far as I know, so I actually haven't been to therapy yet. But no, I haven't been to. I've been to group therapy, but it was very specific. <laughs> Anyways. Step four, process. Feel the emotions, write them down, then burn them. Or tell a friend or therapist, hey, if you're already in therapy, just tell them right there. Or engage in a physical activity. Um, Sometimes going for a really good walk or doing martial arts or punching something (laughs) like your pillow can help. Or Imagine those emotions get sucked into a black hole. I wouldn't necessarily recommend the last part because they are part of you, but you know. And step five, integrate. This part of you cannot simply cease to exist. Your experience will always be there. They are a part of you. Help this part find a new function in your soul space. 
By giving your integrated part a new task, it can start to shift the behavioral patterns and contribute in a more constructive way to your overall being. I don't know that I have an example for this based on my my running example. Um, but I do have an example that I'll bring up in a second because shadow work in the in the witchcraft spiritual space reminded me a whole lot about soul retrievals in the in the shamanic space. So let's talk about soul retrievals because I think you'll find a lot of similarities here. Seth or Howell uses he they pronouns posted on their Tumblr Howell Wind Sing with uh, hyphens between dot tumblr.com on January 27th, 2018. Soul retrieval and fragments and intrusions in spirit wounds. Howell goes through um, and says how they were basically called to soul retrievals, but didn't have anybody in their area that that could do it or even talk to them about it. So they just sort of learned. They learned about soul retrievals. And then all of a sudden there's people there (laughs) that can talk about it and would love to talk about it. So what that sounds like to me is a calling. um, Because if the people were there, Howell would not have learned about soul retrievals. Because they did, now they can do it for others. So they say, quote, Souls are one of the most beautiful sources of energy. And despite their capacity to overcome great damage, they can break, be fragmented, stolen, and corrupted. A break can usually occur after a traumatic event. There isn't a basis for what is, quote, traumatic enough to warrant a break. Aside from trauma, it can happen when a part is stolen from us. Real life people, people who we love and who love us, can steal parts of ourselves. A parent or lover who thinks they know what's best may take part to help us. On the other hand, we may give part of ourselves to another because we believe that that's what love is or because we don't believe they'll survive without our help. There are a few ways to know if someone is fragmented, including they can't just get over a pain. It still feels as fresh as if it just happened. They turn to vices to fill the space. They use phrases like, a part of me died that day, or I haven't been the same since. A part of their memory is missing. So those are all phrases that you might have heard somebody say. And that means that there's some sort of fragment that was left behind. Howell continues with, to retrieve the fragment, it's best to find a shaman or healer. They will identify the anchor usually a person, thing, or place. They will then travel to meet the fragment and convince them to come back. The fragment may have to deal with the memories and emotions before deciding whether or not to reintegrate. If they decide to, there may be an adjustment period. The self does not go back to how it was before the split, but it comes together to become a new self. In my work with the modern shaman mama, Elka McCartney, um, I've gone through a few soul retrieval processes, both helping somebody else and reliving them myself. Um, She goes through a process of um, drum journeying to find those missing pieces. And as I was learning about this, um, she specified that it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad trauma, which I know all trauma sounds bad, but listen here. 
Um, she helped somebody retrieve a soul that was stuck at their wedding day. And the soul's reasoning was, I can't move forward knowing that nothing else will ever be as good as this day. And part of that soul retrieval process was, no, look, look at how good it gets. Look at all of the beautiful things you're missing out on because you're stuck here. Look at these children. Look at this life. Look at these small moments that all make up a big memory. And that's the reintegration that happens sometimes too. It's not always, oh, I was assaulted. I'm going to stay right here. It could be something that happened that was the best moment. I um, was looking back in my journals for those kinds of stories. And apparently I just listened really well because I didn't write any of them down. Um, But I did, I do remember seeing um, a memory of myself. I wrote this down that I was standing in the kitchen. And I remember that I was, I well, I don't have to remember this. I am the eldest child. Um, and being the eldest child, I often um, had the pleasure of making sure that my siblings were fed, um, ensuring we had food. I don't remember this, but my sister remembers that she and I went to the grocery store and I spent my first paycheck on food for the pantry. I truly don't remember that. Um, but you know, my sister is not a liar, so we, I can trust that she remembers that. Um, and so that, that early parentage was part of my soul fragment. It was one of my fragments. And in order to retrieve it, I had to show her, little baby Grace, um, that we are independent. (laughs) We don't have to take care of anybody if we don't want to. It's not our job. And that I love little Grace and that she doesn't have to stay there. She can come home with me and I'll take care of her for once. And so um, I just basically just gave her a hug. So I pulled, put my hands out and I pulled her in all the way to my chest. Um, And then Elka, the shaman mama, would come around with a rattle and just kind of rattle it in. So she would go around the head three times um, with the rattle and then right right on on the crown. Um, to just lock her in. Can she go back? Absolutely. Um, little Grace can definitely go back, but I think she's here now. And then um, one thing that Elka made sure to tell us is that there's a part of us that um, needs to be loved. And sometimes that love comes with new food cravings that maybe I haven't had for a long time. So for instance, one of my comfort foods growing up was um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but on a waffle. So like the waffle was the bread and then the peanut butter and jelly was this in the sandwich. Um, and so maybe that's, I don't remember as it's been so long, but maybe that's one of the things that I had to bring back for, for the young me to feel comforted and safe, right? Something that, that I, the younger version of yourself would have loved to have. 
So that, um, I find a lot of commonalities between soul fragments with soul retrieval and shadow work. I don't know. I, they just seem the same to me. And I, I just, maybe I'm crazy, but, um, also speaking of being crazy, I have a small theory that our soul fragments are what haunts places. <laughs> this sounds so silly to say it out loud, but like when we were talking about the bride, I was just picturing all of the, all of the ladies in white dresses that M always notices either red or white M from, um, and that's why we drink, which is by the way, an excellent podcast. All those ladies in white could be brides, bridal soul fragments that just stayed right there. Um, and that's also why there's a lot of kids that haunt places. I think it's a lot of our, our chi inner child who is traumatized and has stayed there. No, that make, I, I'm standing by that. So call your spirits fragments home, please. Cause we're tired of all the hauntings around here. Um, okay. The last thing I want to do is talk you through trauma-informed support for children. This is from echotraining.org. They posted this article on um, 6-7-2017. And the reason I thought about this is because I'm a teacher and I'm a trauma-informed educator, which means that I had three years of training after my students went through a super traumatic group event to help mitigate this process. And why I'm talking about it is because a lot of us are going to go and do this process, go do the work, right? Do the work and find children, souls that need our, our reintegration. Please only take on one at a time by golly. Don't take on an entire orphanage worth of your past lives or not your past lives, your previous soul fragments, just one at a time, integrate them fully anyways. Um, and so some parts of that integration, like the peanut butter and jelly sandwich shit on waffles, <laughs> um, that feels like creating a trauma-informed space. So, okay, this is from that article. Step one for creating a safe space for a trauma, for a traumatized child is to create safety through familiar settings and quiet space. So once you reintegrate your, your inner child, they're not going to feel comfortable yet because it's a brand new place. You've moved on. You're not, well, you might be in your childhood home still, but I certainly am not. Um, so latching onto things that feel comfortable and familiar are one of the main things that they do. Part two, regulate the nervous system through activities slash crafts slash de-stress balls, whatever works. So, um, finding a way to express yourself and regulate the nervous system. Step three, build a connected relationship with love and kindness. Just love them. Step four, create predictability through structure, routines, and reliability. This is huge. This is one of the one, this is one of the things that I brought with me to my teaching career was creating predictability by having structure in the day routines that we follow and reliability in those routines. If I mix something up, 
I specifically say, hey, today we're doing something different. And I'm a high school teacher. Like my students can handle unpredictability, but that triggers their trauma response because they don't know what's happening. And they're like, I have to get out of here because it's not something that I understand. Five, give the power back through empowerment, collaboration, choice, and voice. Listen to your inner child, ask them what they want to do. And this is, this is really esoteric, I guess. Um, But you can just say, hey, what do you want to do today? And if part of you says, has just a longing for the beach, that might be your inner child speaking to you. It's not going to be crystal clear all of the time or even any of the time. But if you get that feeling that you want to go do something, go do it. One of my activities is painting pottery, and it's one of those things that I just like, sometimes I just have to do it. Step six, build social, emotional, and resiliency skills with compassion and modeling a safe, stable, nurturing relationship. And that sounds very specific to actual real life in in the world children, but for your inner child, show them that you have a safe, stable relationship It can be with yourself, it can be with your BFFs, it can be with your spouse, but show them that compassion and what love really, really, truly should look like. If you're not in a good space right now, maybe work on that first before bringing a child into it. And I mean that in multiple ways. But no judgment. I'm a 33-year-old parent. I'm not a parent. How do I say that? I'm a 33-year-old child-free individual, um, and so I guess live your life. My beautiful sister has found most of her growth through nurturing her child. And I mean her physical, out-of-her-body child, not her soul-fragment child. Um, That has created a lot of maturity and stability for her. So I take it back, (laughs) basically. And then seven, foster growth with problem-solving, planning, maintaining focus despite discomfort, self-control, and seeking support. Telling the story through art or journaling can take control over your own story and narrative. And that kind of goes back to that arts and crafts for me, because when I do art, I meditate, I tell the story that way. But you could find the same level of growth, and self-control through journaling so letting just do you can do free writes you can do wild writing um but letting your child your inner child tell your story can exist these were all very specific for children um but some of your soul pieces could also you i to be honest with you i think every single person needs this (laughs) build a connection connect relationship with love and kindness regulate the nervous system, create predictability. All of these things are important for human beings to grow. Okay, so I I truly, truly, truly don't want you to be alone through this process. Um, it's tempting, but soul work is hard work. Soul retrievals and shadow work are not something just to do on a whim on a Sunday. You have to be in a good, 
supportive place. Um, And I truly, truly, truly want you to find somebody to do this with. It could be a best friend that maybe also listens to this podcast. It could be a healthy relationship. It could be your therapist. It could be a trained healer or shaman. Those are all so important. Doing this alone could lead very easily to burnout, could lead to you shedding a new soul fragment as you go. Keep all your pieces together, please. Um, Just all of those, all of those things kind of feel like that tower moment to me where something is, is just released in a sudden way. And I, I think when you go through this a little bit more purposefully, anyways, instead of doing, um, a reading today, I'm going to tell you something even more personal. I keep doing all these personal things. Um, one of the things that my beautiful and amazing fiance has brought to my attention (laughs) is that gender norms aren't correct for me. Um, you, might hear my voice and go, girl, I don't know if you can hear the cats yowling about that, but they are not a fan. Um, Instead, I find myself some days being totally fine being clocked as a girl. Other days I find it um, to be the worst thing of the day. And I really wish people would see me more, more masculine. And so what I've done I guess for now is um, I've chosen non-binary pronouns. So if you could address me as they, them, please. When I first started this podcast, I used the word woman a lot. Um, I called it one woman's journey through the tarot and not true. I'm just a person now. I've been a person the whole time, but that's what I want you to to know me as. Um, The other... The other thing um, is that, you know, he's brought up that I'm probably autistic. This is a special interest for me. And sometimes special interests get replaced by other special interests. So (laughs) this is really a, um, I'm really trying hard to finish this and I will. It might not be soon, but I've gone through 16 of the 22 major arcana and I really want another special interest to be runes. So I want to go through those. And if you have any interest, I um, might do a quick episode on each of the suits and then some of the numbers as I go. So anyways, if you would like to help me out in a free and easy way, liking this podcast, following it, commenting, all help me just stay motivated, to be honest with you. But you can also shoot me an email, omensandepiphanies at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as omens and epiphanies with the ampersand. You can find me on Twitter at omens epiphanies because they have a limit. And You can find me on my website, omensandepiphanies.com. 
Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you and I hope you have a beautiful day. Goodbye.